0: Welcome to the Body Positivity Podcast with Diana Grimion and Arliss. And we are so excited, Diana, we have an amazing guest. Tell us about our guest today.
1: Yes, today, Arliss, we have the amazing Seema Geary. Seema is a three-time number one international best-selling and award-winning author. She's co-authored The Authorities with New York Times best-selling author John, Dr. John Gray, who's, who uh, many of us may know from the Mars versus Venus series. And through her journey of being bedridden from three different forms of autoimmune disease, Seema realized the power of stories in overcoming challenges, and it gave her hope and encouragement to find unconventional ways to heal. And that is why she now helps entrepreneurs share their expertise and transformational stories through best-selling books. Welcome, Sima. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Arliss. I am so happy to be here.
2: I'm so excited. Thank you for having me.
1: Yes, we're so thrilled to have you and really looking forward to hearing your insights today, Seema. So I'll kick us off with our first question. What part of your body has been the easiest for you to love? I guess my my eyes
2: and my eyebrows. <laughs> when I was younger, actually, they um, seemed to be much bigger than they are now. And um, everyone always just commented on my eyes, how big they were and uh, my eyebrows, how they just seem to be natural shape without having to do
0: much. So <laughs> you you have beautiful, like immaculate eyebrows. And I have to say that I've noticed them because I actually dye my eyebrows because my eyebrows are blonde. So if I didn't dye mine, you wouldn't be able to see them at all. Look at that. I just, (laughs) your eyebrows are amazing. People spend buco bucks to get what you naturally have. (laughs) I can understand why they're one of your favorite parts of your body. It's awesome. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Yes. And I think we don't realize how how much they really uh, define your personality. So I've been blessed with that. (laughs)
0: Yeah. And our follow-up question is always, what part of your body has been the most challenging to love?
2: Oh, my gosh. There's a whole bottom half, you know, from my stomach down (laughs) It's just been, I mean, that's where everything seems to show up. (laughs) Um, Just, just, I don't know. I don't know if I would say the stomach because, you know, that's where my beautiful kids have, you know, been um, nurtured and sheltered until um, they were born. So, I don't know. I don't think there is one particular area where I just don't like it. I think I've grown to love all parts of my body. But yeah, I wish my my legs could be in better shape and, you know, half the size they are so I could wear some of, you know, those funner clothes and and be more in style the way I would
0: want to be than I am now. Yeah. And what I hear from you, Seema, is that it's not that you dislike those parts of your body or even that there is even that much judgment around it. It's more like um, you wish it was more comfortable or you wish you could wear the things that you really feel like embody who you are. And that's a really interesting perspective that we don't hear very often, do we, Diana?
1: No, I really like that because as a woman with bigger thighs, like I definitely think about like, oh, yeah, it would be cute to wear that sort of outfit where the the pants are looser on your legs. But when you have bigger legs and you get looser pants, then it's like your pants are like out (laughs) to here kind of thing. Um, And it it defeats the purpose of the style. Um, Yeah, I feel like I can definitely hear you with that. I feel like the size of my legs or my bottom half definitely shapes the form of clothes that I would wear or what I thought looked good on me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to ask a question that's a little off script, um, because I'm curious and I haven't heard this, your story yet, or I haven't heard you say your story. I think I've read about it. um, But, you know, you overcame some serious health challenges to be where you are today. And it was a process. And a lot of that was around loving and accepting yourself. Can you tell us more about, you know, where you were health wise and how you overcame that to be where you are now?
2: Yeah, well, um, get ready. Grab your coffee. (laughs) It's going to be a while um you know when I hindsight is always twenty twenty, Right. So now I realize that one of the reasons that I had become so sick was because I wasn't allowed to be my natural self, you know, who I really was authentically. And when I look at my childhood, I was a very active, mischievous, uh, pranking kind of child. And, um, I, you know, used to love around and trick people and basically have fun and talk to anybody and everybody. And, um, it was okay while we were in India, but when we moved to Germany and U.S., it became a problem because we didn't know the language. My parents were afraid. We moved to Germany, um, in the seventies where it still was East Germany and West Germany. You don't know who you're talking to and, and what could happen. So. Over time, I was told, you know, you need to be quiet. You need to stay in place. You can't wander off, and um, you need to, you know, stay at home more. And that's what a good child is, and that's how Indian girls are supposed to be. That. Over a period of time, some part of me started shutting down and I started getting sick and didn't really know what it was because it was mostly just being lethargic and it was just, you know, um, things coming up that would not come up in the test results when the doctors started doing that. When I was looking at some of my medical records in the past, a couple months ago, they were calling me a hypochondriac from the age of 10, but I would have inflammation and stuff that would show up and it would be painful. Um, so eventually, you know, there was weight gain and everything. So I was always heavy, you know, throughout, um, middle school and high school, I was able to lose weight and then gain it back, um, depending on what was going on. Um, but it wasn't until my son was born that I really wanted to make such a big difference. Um, I didn't realize during all this time of my illness that it was because of, I wasn't being able to express myself and really be who I am. Um, this insight didn't come until, you know, um, more like, you know, five, seven years ago, but for the love of a child and for the love of trying to make sure that I, as a mother, get firsthand access to raising him Um I never tried as hard as 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 that time as before because I I it didn't even occur to me about self love and caring about me and and doing all of that because it was always I was raised to always put others first take care of others first uh, if you considered about yourself first it was considered it wasn't considered self care and self-love then it was considered selfish. You know, how can you put yourself first? So I don't know if I answered your question. I think I went off on a tangent.
1: You know, I can really relate with that, um, that sense that like with your family, that it's like, oh, be a good Indian girl. I'm not Indian, but, you know, like uh, be a good Filipino girl and do these sort of things or, um, you know, like that so much of my that embodiment of goodness was like, what are you doing for others versus what are you doing for yourself? And I think that that burden of um, of caretaking definitely falls upon the female as well more it's like, oh, go take care of your siblings, go take care of these sort of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is this expectation of care as well that, that we're supposed to be giving to everybody else. And to, to take care of ourselves is selfish. It's... Um, you know, it's it's not something seen with that same regard, um, because it, it seems or there's this um, thinking that it takes away from us taking care of others instead of what we know it to really be, which is that when we serve ourselves, we're able to to serve others in an even greater way. Yeah, I think that's really common. Yeah. Yeah. And that you have to work hard. You have to struggle.
2: You have to do all that. So I felt that unless I was constantly working unless I was constantly doing something, Um, then I wasn't, you know, I wasn't working hard enough. And if I wasn't having trouble, if, you know, get reaching my goals and there was, you know, I wasn't working hard enough. Um, Sometimes things come easily because that's your talent. Um, It's your natural uh, ability, your natural gift. And it's like, oh, this can't be possible. It must not be good enough. (laughs) Um, So all of those kind of things really added the weight and the burden on the body. And then eventually the body said, you can't handle it anymore. And that's the four when we got, you know, heard of all these diseases and stuff. So because I'm an overachiever, my body's an overachiever. It's like, we're not going to get sick with one thing. Let's add on more. <laughs>
1: I can definitely relate to that. It's like, because the thing is too, when um, when you do derive so much pleasure from serving others, that that joy or that like euphoria that it brings you, it's almost as if it becomes easier to ignore the pain or like, you know, your body's asking you to go to the bathroom. You're like, no, I'll go later, right? Like or your feet hurt and you're like, yeah. oh, I'm fine. Like I can power through. Like I feel amazing helping other people. Um, and sometimes our body starts 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 to scream and it starts to scream all over so that we start to listen um, because we've been ignoring it for so long and I think it does speak to our um our conditioning as well which I think you're yeah yeah I
2: mean I kept going until I just could not get out of bed anymore it's like okay it it was almost like a star and achievement yes I I stood all day and then went out and did these things for other people even though my feet were swollen even though it was tight you know I was my I mean different times my feet have been you know toes hurting and bleeding and to that point where, um, But it's like, you know, um, I remember one time um, it was I think it was my my younger brother's wedding and I did as much as I could. And then people still saying, I did so much that I could. And I stood all day, all night and did, you know, there was just a little, um, few of us. It got to the point where I was limping. I was in so much pain. And then later I was told that, you know, we saw you did a lot, but it just wasn't enough. <laughs> it was like, really? That was a really eye-opening moment because I was like, I disregarded my kids, my family. I just put myself in there thinking, you know, this is family and only to hear that it wasn't enough. <laughs> so that's when things really started My eyes started opening up and then my kids were also, you know, saying a lot of things because sometimes when you're conditioned that way, you don't even realize what's happening around you. You just, even if you've been outside, you come in, it's just like an automatic, it's like a WordPress plugin, right? You just plug in and you just start going in right away and you don't even realize until people that haven't been in in that situation before they see you from a neutral perspective. So when my children as teenagers started saying, you know, this is what's happening and this is not right, mom, this is not, this is not how it's supposed to be. That's when things started um, really materializing for me. It's like, oh, okay, this is how it's supposed to be. This is how um, it's supposed to be different. Um, So I think my kids have been a really critical part in my healing journey.
0: I love that. I think that um, we, I mean, I don't know that we've ever heard that on our on our podcast before somebody say that their children have been a huge part of their healing journey. And I think that that is so powerful. And what I love about that Sema, is it it just really speaks to your openness and, and your heart uh, for me, because so many people, they disregard children, even adult children, right? Because they're younger, a different age bracket or whatever. There's a lot of judgment around age. Um, And the fact that you're open to that is just incredibly inspiring. So thank you.
2: Thank you. Yeah, no, I think there were a godsend. I mean, there were were times when I was thinking, you know, I don't know why I'm even believing in God, because clearly there is none with all this stuff that I've been going through. I mean, there's been a lot of traumas um, as a child and growing up that contributed to all this um, illness and the weight gain and um, I think it's still holding on to a lot of things because I am not able to release even though I did um, intermittent fasting for six months, went on total autoimmune protocol diet Um, so basically eating nothing, no Indian food, no spices the only spice I was having was turmeric and salt and still after six months only released 20 pounds so at least I released 20 pounds but it's been really hard. So now I've stopped. I said, okay, fine. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to do everything. I did two marathons last year and I'm exercising regularly and just giving the body the space that it needs. But I think my children, if it wasn't for my son, I wouldn't have persevered and found a way to heal where I could be participating in his life, and if it wasn't for my daughter, I wouldn't be striving to be the best version of myself. So both of my kids can see that they can achieve what they want, um, and my daughter feel you know she can be her own and successful and have people love her for who she is. Um, especially for both of them, but even till now, they are showing their the way. I mean my. Through being who they are, and my son, I have to give him a credit because he refused to let us mold him in a way that wasn't him. You know, he's like, no, this is not me. No, I'm not going to be like this. No, I'm not going to listen to you in this way. And at that time, it just felt like he's such a difficult child. He's just not listening. But then something clicked among us, my husband and I, and said, you know, why are we forcing him to be this way? Just because our parents have raised us in this way. It doesn't make sense. And we were, we had our project management business and we, we prided ourselves in being the pioneers in new way of thinking. And then I questioned my husband's like, why are we not pioneering in parenting that way? Why does it have to be the Indian way or the American way? Why can't we make it our own to what's needed for our children? So when we started doing that, I mean, our relationship changed and he he started flourishing. We were happier at home. And he's always taking us to that new paradigm of thinking and being in the new way. And my daughter in her own way is doing the same thing. I mean, they're both very creative, innovative and Making us think in a different way. And I think that is the role of the children. And everyone else has it wrong where we're trying to mold them with our ideas and our things. I think children are supposed to be an expansion of what we're thinking and come up with the new ideas. That's why we're saying that now all the children that are being born have so much more wisdom. And if you're in the spiritual side, they'll say they're the crystal baby or the star baby. I don't know about that, but I think, you know, with every generation, we're supposed to expand. And that means our thinking as well. And if we can embrace that, I think it's going to be the world can be even better.
1: I love that. I love um, really looking at children not as the ones that we are here to mold, but that they are the ones who are here to help mold us and evolve us in our awareness. Um, and I see one of our Inner Circle members, Shirley Powell, definitely resonating with some of the things that you're saying she mentioned, um, really understanding and feeling what you were saying about weight gain and, um, and autoimmune things, and then um, also about the people pleasing and ignoring your body. So thank you very much for sharing those. I think that those are really insightful um, things and, and sometimes things that we don't feel that safe to share. So. I really, I really want to say thank you, uh, Sema, for for your honesty.
2: My pleasure. I think you know, if we can't be hundred percent honest, and especially in this container that um, you, you Diana and Alice have created, then when are we going to? I think it's just time to open up and share, um, because we're supposed to be helping each other. You're my work and one of the reasons I'm helping people share their transformational journeys and messages is so that people know everyone else is going through something similar. We are not alone and if we can collectively share our wisdom and our journey through that we've learned through our journey I think we can help each other and the world heal so much faster and create the world that we want to live in. So I really feel it's a responsibility. It's not even uh, a privilege, right? It is a responsibility for us to do that. And so I'm trying to, um,
0: you know, um, follow what I'm preaching. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. And one of the things that I love about how you show up in the world is you know you are doing marathons. You've done, you know, um Work with the food that you're eating in order to reduce inflammation, and you look the way that you do. And I, what I love about that is you are tearing down the stereotypes that, you know, those who are conscious of their health are a size, you know, zero or less, um, and have you know six pack abs and are six foot five and are whatever you know, like all these stereotypes yeah. that are out there. Like you are a healthy beautiful woman who's out there doing these miraculous things with your body. Um, And it's wonderful. Like I, I have also done marathons in my lifetime and half marathons and I would have people say, Oh, I don't believe you because I didn't fit what they looked like. And I'm just so glad that there are more people out there doing it that don't have the stereotypical body type.
2: Yeah, I mean, body is an amazing thing. I guess we're our size the way we are for a reason, whatever reason, that may be. And and I think I I had um what I wanted to say about uh, what I was doing now with my body was that I'm just giving it the break. I mean, if this is what it's supposed to be, then this is what it's supposed to be. I can still look good, and it's all about what I'm thinking about, how I'm thinking about it, and my in my mind and how I'm perceiving who I am and how I am. And that's how everyone else is going to perceive. So, you know, we can be, I'm a size zero. It just might be a bigger size zero (laughs) than, you know, anyone, um, from other people's perspective, but we can still do everything that we want. I bike, I, I doing marathons, I swim, I do everything, you know, we just came back. I surprised my husband on a thirtieth anniversary, and we went to Santa Barbara at the Rose Carlton. And any other time, I would have been, you know, shy about putting on a bathing suit and going. I went and found a bathing suit. I forgot to take it from here, but I went there. Went to the store, found a bathing suit that looked nice and trendy and that I would like to wear. And I, I, I went. Went in the hot tub. Went to the pool. Did what I wanted. And no one really said anything or looked at me in any way. It was about how I was carrying myself. It's how I felt really good. And my husband was even doing a video, I was taking some lifestyle videos. And there were people in the hot tub watching this whole thing. And they're like, hey, what's going on? So I said, you know, I'm just taking lifestyle videos because this is what I want to do and use it some sometime later. And as he was taking, I mean, I felt like, you know, I was the size that I would have wanted to be. And I just behaved in that way. And it just showed up so powerfully. Everyone just just talked to me in such a, a amazing way. And they're like, we're so happy you're doing this. And we're so happy you're carrying yourself this way. So it's all about our mind and our head and how we're
0: perceiving ourselves. Oh, mic drop moment right there. Um, And this is one of so many reasons why we were so grateful that uh, Seema took to our virtual stage at the first International uh, Body Positivity Conference. Her presentation was just incredible. So if anybody is interested in in seeing that, you should um, check out our Kajabi site for the recording. It's amazing. Um, and Sima, I would love to know from you, what is a self-love or self-care practice that you that you do all the time that really lights you up?
2: Mm. I i am doing this more frequently now where I just stand in front of the mirror when I'm getting ready in the morning look at my whole body and just give myself a great big hug and say, I love you exactly as you are. And that has been, it's just, it's just been so profound. And um, I guess it's making more of an effect than I realize because I'm tearing up right now. And I finally realized that if I don't love myself, In the way I want others to love me, even if it's my husband or my kids, no one is going to. I have to show up for myself first before I can expect anyone else to show up.
0: We are going to have so many amazing quotes to pull from, Diana. (laughs) (laughs) It's just incredible. It's incredible. So, you know, we all have times when we don't feel connected to our bodies in a positive way. Maybe old patterns creep back in. When that happens for you, how do you reconnect to your body? How do you reconnect to that place of acceptance and love?
2: I apologize. I've noticed that I've been apologizing to like my arms. I, I've been working really hard, but my arms, but those bat wings, they're going to help me fly one day somewhere. (laughs) Um, And I've, I've just had to look at them and say, you know what? And question myself, why am I really mad up and upset about it? It is what it is. Things are as they are. Sometimes there's just no explanations. And I find myself trying to find answers, and there are just no explanations for certain things. Um, I apologize. I look in the mirror and I apologize to those areas because it is me. However it is, it is me. So if I'm saying I'm loving myself and accepting myself, it has to be each part. So every now and then, just like, you know, with my husband or my kids, if we get into a fight or or get upset with each other, we apologize. I apologize, give a great big hug and say... We're in this together, whatever it is.
1: I love that. Um, and Seema, I just wanted to take it back to something that you said earlier, because when you were talking about um, stories and being, that being part of our healing, um, I know that this really informs the work that you do now. So I would love to hear how, how was it that you started to really understand the importance of the stories that we tell?
2: Well, when I shared my story, my recovery story in the authorities book with Dr. John Gray and the response I got from people is what really opened my eyes to that. I didn't think my story was important enough. And I felt like a fraud even writing in that book at that time. I was like, you know, it's just me and it's my story. What's the big deal? Is it even? Is is it even that great? Some people were saying it's really great, but I was like, is it really or is it just trying to be nice to me, but it's really not? You know how sometimes you say, That's a great dress when they don't really look that good in it? But when I got the response from people and people writing in, thank you for sharing. It just makes me feel that I'm not alone or some of the steps and advice you gave was really helpful. And I was able to reconnect to myself or know that there are some other solutions or know that I have the power and I can stand up for myself. When you're that sick, sometimes you forget to stand up for yourself and you just listen to everyone else. That's when I realized the power of story and as it was helping others, it was also helping me heal even more at a more deeper level because I was talking about it from a different perspective in a different way. I was talking about it in a way that is helping others and knowing that the suffering that I went through can lessen someone else also make a help make a profound uh, difference in my life. That's when I realized the power of the stories.
0: I love that. And um, you know, I've been fortunate enough and I feel like it's such a gift to have participated in two of um your uh, co-author books or our anthologies, which is it's been amazing experience. And, and I will say that Sema delivers exactly what she says that she's going to deliver. Um, and it's such a smooth process. And I would love for you to share Sima, What is it that you do? Like, what do you offer in this world so that people can find you and take advantage of the skills and wisdom that you have? Well, thank you, Arliss. Yeah, so I help
2: position you as an expert in the authority that you are in your field by sharing your transformational journey in a book. So then your tribe can find you in and... The gifts that you have to offer to the world. And I do this in two ways. One is to write your own solo book if you're ready for that. Or you can participate in, in the anthology, as Arla said, which is multi-author book where you get to write one chapter. And in both of them, they are, each have their own process, but I basically hold your hand towards the entire process. And sometimes when you're writing your own story, although you've already transformed, some things come up during this time because you're writing in it in a different way. So I hold your hand throughout that process also, help you transform, ascend to the next level, and then help you become a best-selling author. Oh, and then because you've written a book, we need a huge book launch. So I I have my Break Free International Summit where you get celebrated and celebritized. We have some world-renowned keynote speakers that also come, so it's branding by association and we have a lot of fun we have performances and speakers and you get to share your story on our virtual stage
1: that sounds amazing and um, I hear you, I know that you mentioned earlier that as a shy, you know, as a shy woman growing up, that this is beyond what you ever really expected that you would be doing in terms of the wor- in terms of your work in the world. So I imagine um, so myself being really shy and introverted as well. Um, part of the reason I do the work was because I felt called outside of my comfort zone. And mm-hmm. I think that I hear that in you too, as you share about um, your experience with with the first book and hearing the response that people gave you um, to your story, you know, and um, I can can definitely relate to that idea of like, oh, it's not that big a deal, my story, or, you know, whatever. It it just is. Um, And then really seeing how much people can relate or learn from our experiences. And I think that's the one thing that, you know, like no matter what, we're never going to be able to take with us the experiences that we've had. So um, when we use them to teach others, when we use them to give value to others, it's like we're making something really special out of our life, out of out of something that we're going to have anyway. So I love that. Thank you.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Diana, I think, you know, when we go through such real hardships, there's a reason for that. And I Lisa Nichols said this, which really made a huge impact on me. And she said, when you've gone through hell and back like that, it's really not your story to keep. It's really to share with others and help them, you know, heal and trans, you know, and transcend in, in their lives. So they, we're all here to do Um, we all have our own life's purpose. And some some of us realize it earlier. Some of us have to go through this journey to find it. Um, And so I think now many of us are, as we're coming out and sharing our journey and our story and having that courage, there's a lot more healing that is going to happen and a lot more people stepping up. I hope so.
0: Yeah, we, we hope so too. You know, one of the reasons why we started the podcast is because we wanted to normalize um, honest conversation around our bodies and, and people sharing their journeys and talking about how it's not just a straight up trajectory. (laughs) There's, there's a lot of winding roads and ups and downs and detours and um, take a U-turn immediately and all of those things that happen along the way. Uh, I think that we, you know, touched on this next question a little bit, but I wanted, I would love to know more from you. Um, what are some of the body image expectations or societal norms that you feel like you are not subscribing to or are subscribing to, or what's your feeling about societal norms? Yeah. Hmm. Um, well,
2: I'm certainly not subscribing to where you have to look perfect all the time, right? With your always have your makeup on, always show up in a certain way. Um, I was talking about it this morning with uh, with another person It's like, I only wear one type of makeup all the time, and that is authenticity. You know, when I am training for the marathon, and I'm doing videos and doing taking pictures and sharing that I want to show one that is exciting. Right. I never thought I would do a marathon, but I did. I did the 10K. I did the 13K. It took me a while, but I got it done. And that's one of the another thing that I wasn't even like books. I never planned that one day I'm going to do this. I didn't even think it was available for me. But then as I stepped into these things, you know, it's like I wanted to show my journey and I was not going to have makeup on. I was not going to look perfect all the time, you know. Um, And so I'm not subscribing to that where you have to be perfect in every way and all the time. What are the other... Or that you have to be like a certain size to to look good. Um, I've started changing the way I dress a little bit now because I finally was like, you know what? I, I just want to look good. It there are there are styles out there that's going to fit my body type. So if my body needs to be this way, I'm going to celebrate it and I'm going to show up in the best way possible. Do everything for me. You still have to eat healthy. Just just because you're a little overweight or it's not the size that you want it to be doesn't mean you don't take care of your body. It doesn't give you the right to just not give it nutritious food and exercise and all of those things. That's still very important. We don't give our bodies enough credit for all the things it does for us, for us to be able to live the kind of life we want to live. So um, appreciating it from that perspective a lot more.
0: I love that. I love that you're coming from an attitude of a, of appreciation. Um, and, you know, what I hear you saying over and over again, is that you're accepting where your body is at this moment, and you are living it to the fullest, where it is in this moment. You're not futurizing. You're not catastrophizing around your business uh, body. You're not looking back and wishing it were that way or this way or whatever. You're like, Hey, this is what it is. Um, I'm going to love and accept my body right now. I'm going to look awesome in my clothes. I'm going to rock this bathing suit. I'm going to hang out in hot tubs, you know, like what if we all did that? What if we all just accepted our body in this moment and stopped trying to infinitely change it? Because I'm sure that a lot of people who've experienced this, and we've had a lot of guests talk about it, where there's this constant cycle of wanting to enact change, no matter what size, shape, height, or whatever is it being experienced, right? And if we just got to the place where we're like, okay, we're accepting this is our body right now. We're going to give it nutrition. We're going to give it love. We're going to give it exercise. We're going to give it things it needs, but it's not going to be centered around change. I think that that's really beautiful and incredibly powerful.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I mean, unless you have some kind of illness... If you have a body that you're not really happy with, is it your body's fault or is it you? Are you really doing everything possible to gain that body that you want? Your body is going to deliver what you're putting in and what you're thinking and what you are doing, you know? So... I, I can take some more extreme measures, but what's the point? I've was, you know, i done this autoimmune protocol diet, I've done the intermittent fasting, and if my body is not responding to it, there's so many reasons. I also recently, just the other day, got blood tests done and all the results are, are, have come in and every single thing is normal. You know, which is a great thing, but it doesn't answer some of the um, things I've been feeling lately. Um, So you have to really see, is it, are you absolutely doing everything possible for you to have the kind of body that you want? And if you're not, you have to take the blame yourself. Don't blame your body. Your body's doing everything it can. If you can, this is what I'm thinking now, guys, Diana and Arliss. (laughs) Right now, I want to be independent where I can get up myself, walk, cook my dinner, take care of myself, take care of my house, be in a sound state of mind where I can make intelligent decisions, make decisions for myself, be able to spend time and talk intelligently with my clients, doing what I love and my family. If my body can give me that then that's what I need right now. I never want to be in chronic pain. I never want to be bedridden ever again. You know, if I can do what I can do now, that's what I want my body to deliver. It's a vehicle to my dreams. And if I'm not putting the right gas, the right octane, right? Taking it for tune-ups and getting it washed regularly, (laughs) that's on me. Right. You can't expect the body to do something for you if you're not taking care of it in the way that you should. So, uh, you know, finally reached to that level and understood. And, you know, thankfully, I got here (laughs) sooner rather than later.
1: I love that. I love to say, um, you know, are you treating your body like a broken down station wagon or like a high performance Ferrari? Because one way or the other, it shows up in um, in the care that you gave and then somebody was like, oh, well, those Ferraris require a lot of maintenance. And it's like, yes, they do. (laughs) But aren't you worth it? It requires a lot of, yes. Yes. It requires care to perform at at those levels. Yes, it does. Right? Yeah. And it feels like that at the very beginning because you're
2: not used to it. But once you get used to it, it's second nature.
1: I love that. I love that so much. Uh, Seema, can I ask, what would be your closing thoughts for today's podcast? What, What thought would you like to leave with our listeners today? I think what I, I just
2: said, you know, if you're not really happy with what your body is delivering to you, are you doing all that you possibly can? You, you Consider your body and you as a team. You're one unit. So m- more self-care, more acceptance. I think more acceptance, uh, if you can accept yourself more and more, you'll see your body transform also.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it's true. And it's, it's, it goes beyond. And I know that, you know, this, Seema, it goes beyond just what we experience as health. You know, when we love and accept ourselves, our relationships are better. Our business is better. Our experience of life in general is better. And um, I know that you have seen that in your life as well that as you deepen your awareness and self-love and acceptance, your life just gets better and better.
2: Yeah. And I would like to add to that, Arliss, is that you have to have the courage to look at some of the emotional aspects, some of the, the darker moments. You have to bring those darker moments into the light to be able to put that in the past you know, except for what it was, put it in the past so you can move forward. And without that, I think it's really hard for the acceptance and all of that to come through. And I don't think we talk enough about those things. So look at the emotional aspects of some of the traumas that you've gone through. You know, I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. And it's it's, you know, sometimes in someone's control, but especially in our it's the things that happen to us are many times not in our control but how we create a story around that is in our control and at that moment you might have created certain story around it it's worth going back and rechanging the narrative looking at it for what it was because you're now at a different stage and state that can go back and see things in a different way or the way you need to so that you can heal and I think I would like this to be the closing thought that is so important and unless you do that the more you do that the more acceptance um, will be easier to the easier it is to accept yourself for who you are now
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Seema. It's been such a gift to have you on with us today. Um, We will have all of Seema's connection links available if you want to reach out to her and find out more about what she does and more about what she has to offer. And I know that she has a big event coming up um, in February. So definitely connect with her to find out more about that. Well, thank you again, Seema, for joining us. We're so grateful to have you. And we will be back next week with another amazing podcast. Thank you, Arliss. And thank you, Diana. Thank you.